Uh, it's getting harder and harder to get in here by Chapa. Yes, it is. Especially since they want to make us convert all the helicopters to electric, which I'm, uh, I don't have as much faith in it, uh, electric. Uh, you know, I just don't trust the batteries. And when the batteries go out and you're in the air, in the helicopter, your glide path is really not very far. All right, folks. It's Rick Wagner here. We're getting a ride here again on Kansas City KGLN. A lot of other places, uh, 1100, 980, 92.7, 98.1, 101, a couple others. Various places all across uh, eastern Utah and, of course, we're broadcasting from western Colorado. And then the Internet and our podcasts and, of course, the ships at sea. Thank you very much for uh, listening this week. We appreciate it. I uh, wanted to say that, uh, although we've heard a lot about it this weekend, Lord knows you've heard much about it. Uh, I was saddened about the passing of uh, Elizabeth II. I think we shall be, I don't know, if we'll ever see her like again, particularly the way the monarchy is going now in, in England. Some people don't like it. I still kind of think it's a a nice connection to the past. You know, uh, you need those things. I mean, America, it's a little different. For instance, some of us are still crazy enough to think that the Constitution connects us to our founding and has some relevance these days. I wouldn't compare the monarchy to the Constitution, but... Uh, people like to make changes all the time, and so uh, they'll probably get rid of the monarchy at some point in the near future with Charles up there dwaddling all around. And just like people here, uh, you know, they're just trying to get rid of the Constitution, and it's a lot better shape than the English monarchy. Anyway, so, but I thought that we'd talk just a second. You know, Charles doesn't want to take, or has been considering, Charles as a moniker for a king does not have a storied past in Britain. The true Charles, Charles I, and Charles II, eh, not great kings at all. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not well-remembered. There have been a couple of not great kings in British history that in and of themselves probably were not great kings but are greatly remembered. Uh, one of my favorites is, of course, Sir Richard I, the Lionheart. Cour de Leon, that's uh, butchering the French, heart of the lion. Richard, huge part of the Third Crusade, great warrior. Great tactician in general. Loved to fight. Personally loved to fight. Loved to, like, dive into the battle. Get stuck in, as he liked to say. And uh, his favorite uh, cursing, because cursing was certainly frowned upon, take the Lord's name in, in vain, apparently from reading was God's legs. Yes. They would often refer to certain parts of the Lord, but uh, without taking his name in vain per se. They'd say, you know, God's legs, let us go chase those Saracens. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, Great military leader, as I said. Uh, really saved the bacon, such as it was on the Third Crusade. Um, was uh, killed, sadly, uh, walking around, or perhaps even, I can't remember, no one's quite sure if he's afoot or was on his horse, inspecting some siege engines that he had going in what we now think of as France, which he was uh, thinking was his uh, part of the world. And somebody shot him the crossbow, and he got infection, and that was it. But which happened to many people in the early Middle Ages, especially any of the Middle Ages, but especially the early Middle Ages, where uh, there was nothing like antibiotics or anything. And they weren't even 100% sure about some of the remedies that the Greeks and Romans had used. Because remember, by this point, if you could read, you were very small percentage of the population. If you had access to any of the texts from the Romans or the Greeks, uh, that was an even narrower bit of the population, and they hadn't really found a lot of them after the uh, fall of Rome and sort of the tumult afterwards. So even the texts like of Galen and people like that, 
who knew a little bit about medicine and something about how you could use honey and vinegar and a few things like that to to keep wounds from festering nearly as badly. Hey, I didn't really know about that, so that was kind of tough. But uh, so Charles I and the second, not such great kings. Uh, Richard the first, great king, kind of in history. It was reportedly that they would say that he was a uh, a a indifferent king, a bad husband, and a great warrior. Bad husband because he was forced to take a wife, which he was fighting most of the time in the Holy Land and all other places, and we bothered with going back and getting married. He married a Spanish princess, as I recall, which really irritated the king of France, with whom he was not getting along with anyway, because he was supposed to marry his sister, and he didn't want to do that. So uh, produced no heir that we know of, although there, there apparently was one, but uh, it may have not been legitimate. And But people loved him because he was a king in every sense. I have a painting of him in my office. I mean, he looked like a king. He was a big guy, big sort of russet hair, you know, and a beard and uh, loved to fight and uh, inspired men. The men loved him. So uh, great king. He's uh, got a, a statue, I believe, right outside of Parliament, you know, Richard I. He's one of the few kings that remember from uh, their moniker as opposed to their number. So we know him as Richard the Lionhearted, not just Richard I. And, uh, you know, then we have Henry V and a few people like that. But there's a lot of bad ones. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to queens, there's just a few that are so good. Throughout history, there's just there's just some that are excellent. And I think Elizabeth II rose to the occasion and exemplified the really the finest aspects of, uh, of royalty uh, for her time. I mean, Elizabeth I, obviously extremely exceptional woman who they kept trying to marry off because she was brought in as really the only surviving child of Henry V. And her sister, her older sister, Mary, didn't work out so well. Mary was uh, pretty much of a religious fanatic and killed a lot of people. So they thought they'd get Elizabeth in there, let her prowl around for a while, marry her off to some princeling from uh, someplace in the continent, and then he would be king, and that would be the way it would go. And she just never really bought into that. Um, they kept trying to get her to a Spaniard, because uh, they were kind of a power at the time, thought that would be a good idea. She just, she would just had danced around that, and never did it. And but probably, probably one of the great women in history. We're talking about that. No, it's a political show, but uh, all this history tells us where we're headed and from where we've been. One of the great women in history, queens, was uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Aquitaine is mostly in what we think of as France now. At the time, Aquitaine. Uh, part of Gascony, certainly Normandy and all this stuff was, was part of what was ruled by the British king. You remember that the, uh, the Normans invaded Britain in 1066. Normans, of course, as I think I've mentioned in the show before, were actually Viking descendants. Uh, that part of northern France was given to Rollo the Viking, uh, to defend the Seine River from all the other Vikings that kept sailing up a, and attacking everybody, including even, even Paris. So they gave Rollo that land with the agreement that he would keep the other Vikings out. So Normans were essentially essentially Vikings. So in 1066, they decided to go to Britain, which various Vikings have been trying to conquer for a long time and had some pretty good success in some areas. And uh, they conquered most of it, fought around for a while. And so they were not only had Britain, but Normandy, and, and they married into a little bit and had uh, places in Anjou and Aquitaine and so forth. Matter of fact, for a long time, in the first, you know, probably, oh gosh, from 1066 to almost the 1300s, uh, 
the kings of Britain were a little more interested in the lands they had on the continent, which were had a little better weather, produced a lot of things like wine and a lot of money and uh, than they were. Certainly Richard was much more interested in what was going on in the continent than he was in Britain, but the Brits still loved him. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's how that goes. Remember, the kings and queens are kind of interesting points because some of them don't do much, but they help us locate times in history. Uh, and you have people like Charlemagne. Charles the Great is what that means, by the way. It's a contraction of Charles the Great. Uh, so it would be... Uh, you know, Magnus or Mag- Magni, which so they contracted Charles, uh, the great Charlemagne. And uh, his grandfather is one of my favorite king's names. Uh, sort of a king. I mean, it wasn't quite solidified at that point, like 730 or something. Uh, was Charles Martel. Yes. Charles the Hammer. Gives you some idea the kind of guy he was. Fought the Muslim invasion, 732, at the Battle of Tours, a famous battle that everybody in Europe used to know about. Sadly, I bet that isn't true now. And everything he fought for in tours is sort of getting reversed just by immigration. You know, it's a sad story when you look back at uh, what's happening in Europe right now. But um, I just thought we'd spend a minute. Queen Elizabeth, long line of monarchs that throughout history, the monarchs were great placeholders for things that happened. Sometimes they were responsible for them. Sometimes they were just around them. Helps us to remember what happened. We'll be back. 